Lance as he has it. The Angels, world champions. The Anaheim Ducks are the Stanley Cup champions. Pitch swinging. Oh, and first pitch crushing. Oh, man. Lean into it. Zegers, here he can Oh, look at this. Oh, he just Welcome to the first episode of the Catelicast. Now, if you're a big Anaheim sports fan, big Angels fan, big Ducks fan, I mean, don't you love that intro? We got Angels winning the World Series in 2002. We have the Ducks winning the Stanley Cup in 2007. Um, just our star players, Shohei Otani and Trevor Zegers. You can't go wrong with some of those highlights. And so hopefully everybody enjoys the intro. Hopefully everybody enjoys the podcast. Um, so I guess I have to introduce myself now. My name is Sai Miyake, and I will be your host for the Catelicast. A little bit about me. I was born and raised in Orange County. Big time Angels fan, big time Ducks fan, uh, borderline obsessed. I was that kid who would come to school wearing Angels gear, wearing Ducks gear pretty much every day out of the year. And especially for me, I was really spoiled uh, growing up with the, especially the Angels' success in the early 2000s, and then that eventually transitioned into the, you know, the Ducks or the Mighty Ducks back then going to the Stanley Cup final in 03, and then they won the Stanley Cup in 2007, and then you had just those amazing, incredible Getzloff and Perry teams uh, with Solani, Kessler, and we were spoiled. And now Anaheim Sports, uh, these two teams that share Catella Avenue. It's been a little bit of a struggle lately. The Angels have been just an absolute dumpster fire in almost every way. Don't worry. Um, I'm very critical of uh, pretty much anything. And that's that's one thing that I think that I can really bring to this. Um, I believe in being a fan, but you can call out your team. You can call out ownership, players. You know, I don't think, as long as it's nothing personal, I mean, professional sports is a cold hard business and if you're not performing if you're not being held to the standards you should be held accountable um i also i have a lot of strong opinions um, such as i do believe that athletes are generally very extremely overpaid and if you're going to be overpaid you got to be doing a good job and so you know i'm not afraid to throw out my opinions out there um try to rely on stats as much as i can um, of course you know you're going to have the good old-fashioned eye test as well and i just want to bring a blend of everything to the table um does, i just want this to be a great uh, show where we can talk about and discuss everything that happens when it comes to the angels and when it comes to the ducks and so yeah sit back and relax and uh, hopefully this will be a great show and a great experience moving forward and so uh, let's get into the end well the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. All right, when it comes to the Angels, where where do we even start? I mean, Ar Artie Moreno is probably one of the worst owners in sports. Um, just anything and everything this guy does is almost wrong. And while I do think that he has been a better owner than the Walt Disney Company, I mean, that's really not saying a whole lot. Artie Moreno is just a terrible owner. I will probably never endorse anything that he does. It's going so much for me where I don't even want to be spending, I don't want to be spending my own money to go to Angel Games. 
I just I don't want to be putting money in this guy's pocket. I don't want to be buying new merchandise, no matter how cool it looks, you know, with the California Angel hat or the uh, old Anaheim Angels hat with the wings or something like that. You know, a new Otani jersey or a new Trout jersey would be nice, but, oh, Jared Walsh, my boy Jared, I want to get a Jared Walsh jersey, but I don't know. I just, I don't really feel comfortable supporting Artie Moreno financially, and while I'm not going to tell people how to spend their money, I would highly, highly suggest that if the Angels are out of playoff contention in July or so, which has kind of been the recent trend, stop going to the games. Stop supporting this guy. I mean, the best way I could I could explain the Artie Moreno ownership situation is that, you know, if you have, say some gross rotten food right but then you cover it in sprinkles or you cover it in something that looks nice or tastes good or something like that but the actual meal is terrible i mean that's that's been the angels if you look at his spending right he spends on the big bats which those big bats yeah how many of those have worked out uh not too many of them uh, except for trout and otani really but i mean you especially pujols oh geez albert pujols i can go on for days about him but Anthony Rendon, right, right, just been a complete disaster. Vernon Wells, Josh Hamilton, absolute dumpster fire signings. Torrey Hunter was a pretty good one, but pretty much, I mean, you just try to cover it, cover everything up, all the holes of this team with super sluggers, and it's a, it's not a winning strategy. It's not a winning formula. Pitching wins championships. 100%. Look at those Giants teams that won the World Series. They did not have the strongest lineups, and pitching carried them the entire way they had some great outstanding performances um you look at the royals you look at the mets some other i mean obviously the mets didn't win the championship but they had you know that young nucleus right you had thor mats uh degrom and a solid bullpen and just you know i don't understand what the angels are doing right here and if you really want to get to the basis it's they refuse well Artie moreno refuses to spend money on starting pitching when that has been the biggest flaw with the Angels. I mean, ever since Jared Weaver really fell off a cliff and wasn't the same guy that he was when he was dominant, the Angels starting pitching has been in shambles. Um, Shohei Otani has been a solid starter for one season, but and yes, he has been a good starter, but I mean, do we have five Shohei Otani-level starting pitchers? Um, I don't think so. And if you want to really look at the payroll, which to me is, is really interesting because um, so during the whole CBA negotiations and all of that, uh, the Angels were, I believe, one of four teams that voted against um, raising the luxury tax, which, come on, Artie, you have so much freaking money. I mean, you have enough money where you want to waste $245 million on Albert Pujols and you want to give him a 10-year Ten million dollars service contract, which I hope that never happens because I don't want him to be affiliated with the Angels anymore. Um, have him be in Seattle or Seattle. Have him be in St. Louis, and just we'll just forget the whole Angels tenure. We'll just forget that that ever happened. But going back to the payroll with the Angels, right? And so you might be thinking, okay, a team with Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, uh, Syndergaard makes a lot of money, which that was a good signing. Um, Otani, right? Uh, even somebody like uh, Jared Walsh is starting to uh, come, really come into his own. You would think that, oh, okay, this team, 
you know, they have to be kind of near the luxury tax, right? And with baseball, it's a little bit different, right? It's a luxury tax. It's not a salary cap. So you can go over this tax and there are differing levels to the salary or to the luxury tax. And so, you know, if you go over it a little bit more, there are different levels where you have to pay the other teams and et cetera. But it's not a salary cap. You can still play even if you go over the luxury tax. So the first level for the luxury tax, $230 million. The Angels payroll, total payroll this year is about $184 million when you round it up. So if my math is correct, which many times it's not, uh, my math is terrible, the Angels have $46 million remaining on the payroll. $46 million for what? And this is the problem. You are stuck in, are we going for the championship? Are we going all in or are we rebuilding? What are we doing? We're calling up young guys like Joe Adele and Brandon Marsh, Reed Detmers, who I think all three of those will be solid major league players. But at this point, I mean, I'm of the opinion when they signed Anthony Rendon, you have to go all in. But they want to sit on the fence and try to rebuild and go for a championship at the same time. That doesn't work, especially in baseball. Uh, a team that I've really wanted to compare them to over the years is the Toronto Blue Jays, who the Toronto Blue Jays were a lot better than the Angels at their peak when they had like the Bautista, Donaldson, that team. And, you know, they were going to the ALCS and losing, which is a lot better than the Angels can say. And then they had to totally tear that team down to the studs and then build it back up. And they built it back up faster than the Angels because they realized, hey, wait a minute. Uh, this isn't going to work. Batiste is getting old. Donaldson is getting injured. Uh, Edwin moved on. Um, our starting pitching is starting to get old. Like you had guys like R.A. Dickey, right, who just weren't going to be the same same starters they used to be. Uh, Kenji's Morales, right, his body was breaking down on them. And they got rid of everybody. They rebuilt. You see these young guys now, right, Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette. Um, they brought in... Um, a lot of those great pitchers, right? But they had to do those later. Like, uh, well, Robbie Ray's not on the team anymore, but they brought him in. Um, they brought, they traded for uh, Barrios. They signed Gaussman. They signed Hyunjin Ryu, which Hyunjin Ryu has been someone that I thought the Angels should have signed in the offseason. Anthony Rendon was signed, but like I said, you know what? Artie loves his big name sluggers who don't perform at all. And uh, Anthony Rendon in spring training. I mean, it's spring training, so I don't really want to take too much into account for everything that happens in spring training. But, I mean, it just it just has – the results haven't been there. We've had errors, multiple games where he's going over, And so I don't have too high hopes of Anthony Rendon. At this point, if he plays 120 games for the Angels this year, I'll consider it a success. I don't care what he bats. I don't care how many home runs he hits or how many errors he makes or doesn't make. If he could just make it through 120 games – I'll consider it a success, which not too good if you're paying a guy $36 million. But, hey, I don't make the decisions. And so I really wanted to kind of just talk about this payroll situation, right? So like I said, we have $46 million uh, on the Angels' payroll before they hit the luxury tax. That includes all of their free agent signings, like the Noah Syndergaard signing, which I think is great. Um low well it's not necessarily the lowest cost but it's a one-year contract i i'm not really i don't really care about how much money these players are making the length has been the killer for the angels and one year 21 million dollars if Syndergaard, if he's not the thor that he was in new york 
If he's just an average starting pitcher, that's fine. You know, he'll be a free agent, and then he'll probably either not be on the Angels, or if he comes back, he'll be super cheap. But $46 million remaining, right? And this was a year which had a lot of starting pitchers available on the market. You had guys like Scherzer, Ray, Gossman, and, I mean, I don't expect the Angels to, to go in and sign every single great ace that's on the market. But somebody like Robbie Ray or Kevin Gossman, right? Robbie Ray is making $23 million a year. Kevin Gossman is making $22 million a year. Even somebody like Eduardo Rodriguez, which that's a pitcher, that's a starting pitcher that doesn't really jump off the map to you and doesn't like scream amazing. But if you look at the rest of the Angels rotation, I mean, he's the ace. He's a better pitcher. Well, he's not a better pitcher than Otani, but he's more consistent. Um, that would have been a great signing. And it's only going to cost you another what eight million dollars more on your on your payroll and you're not even close to being over the luxury tax i'm not saying you have to spend at the level you have to be right the luxury tax or even heck go over it but just show that you are committing to winning and kind of having these weird cookie cutter signings it's just not going to cut it um, you're going to rely on guys like uh, patrick sandoval who i think i think could be a great pitcher but still, it's a relative unknown. Or you're going to hope that Reed Detmers is just going to sparkle in the majors when he's only had a handful of AAA starts. I wish that Reed Detmers was starting the season off in AAA, but, you know, what do I know? Um, with the Angels offseason, though, I guess I have to give them a B. You can't be too mad at the signings that they've made. Uh, uh, Re-signing Rysel Iglesias, bringing him back was huge. Um uh, aforementioned Syndergaard, I think that's a great signing, just a one-year prove-it deal, even though it is $21 million. Uh, Lorenzen, I'm a little bit iffy on that one. I wish that he was a reliever, but again, starting pitcher, which I don't know why. You didn't have to re-sign Lorenzen, uh, even though we know how much the Angels love their Southern California connections, but if, because Lorenzen's making six six $6.7 million, if you didn't sign him and you signed Robbie Ray, hey, that would have been a steal, but whatever. That's fine. Uh, Archie Bradley, I think, is a great re-signing, or is a great signing. Uh, Matt Duffy, Tyler Wade for some depth. I think those are great signings as well. Uh, Aaron Loop, you know, Tapera. I think the bull the bullpen's solid. You can't complain about the bullpen at all. It is so much better than last year. Uh, Mike Myers, I love Mike Myers, but he's not a setup man. He's a very he's a very good middle reliever, but he's not a setup man. He's not a closer, and so. I think that addressing the bullpen will help them a lot, but I don't think the Angels have made enough moves to become a contender. They're still stuck in the middle. You have guys like Justin Upton on the team, which one day I want Justin Upton to stay on the Angels, and I want them and I want them to have him hit leadoff. And the next day I want him cut. Um, so I think if you're even in that scenario, though, you have to release him because. They straight up released Albert Pujols about a month into the season last year. Albert Pujols, who wasn't performing up to his contract and is a much bigger name in baseball than Justin Upton. Albert Pujols is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Justin Upton is a, was a very good player in his prime, not even close to Pujols. And they released Albert Pujols, which Justin Upton, same situation, right expiring contract. He's making $28 million. Um... Even if they released him, 
I mean, who cares? You know, is he good? Is he going to go to some other team now with the Universal DH and become a huge contributor? I mean, probably not. Pujols was decent for the for the Dodgers, but was he game changing? Did you regret having Pujols in the lineup every, not having Pujols on the team? No, of course not. So, I think at this point they need to just cut Justin Upton. But if they do keep Upton, whoever I think is playing. Uh, whoever I think is playing in that left field spot, whether it be Upton, uh, Joe Adele, Joe Adele might play right field, but I think that whoever is going to be in that corner outfield spot, they need to be the leadoff hitter. You just think about it. If you have Justin Upton, right, they have to pitch to him because you're going to be having Otani and Trout Rendon if he stays healthy and Jared Walsh right behind him. Um, it's one thing when you throw a mistake pitch to Otani and he hits it out. That's fine. You accept that. But if you throw a mistake pitch to Justin Upton or Joe Adele and you get their confidence going, you get the hitter's confidence going, and then you throw a mistake pitch to them and they hit it out, and then all of a sudden now you have to pitch to Otani and you're down one nothing, or you have to pitch to Trout and you're down one nothing with Otani on base, I mean, I don't know. I... I understand why Otani is a leadoff hitter, and I'm not totally opposed to it. I don't think it's the dumbest thing in the world. I just think that whoever you're going to be having, you're whoever you're going to have in the lineup between Adele or Justin Upton, I mean, put the put them in the leadoff spot, put them in the leadoff spot, and heck, at this point, just I, I you know, I talked about with Justin Upton what I think they should do. I just cut him at this point. Just just release him. Just release him. As a long-winded answer and a long-winded way to go about this, but I think they should just release Justin Upton. Uh, give Joe Adele all the at-bats. Brandon Marsh, I don't think he's ready. I think he needs to start the season off in AAA. He only played there for a few games uh, in the past, and so I think he should just stay in AAA, marinate in there, and then bring him up. But, yeah, with the Angels, I mean, I can't really complain too much about the offseason. Uh, do I think they'll make the playoffs? No, unfortunately. I guess this is kind of just an impromptu Angels preview at this point, but I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I think they, I think they'll be about 500, maybe a little bit better than 500 uh, this year. I don't think they make the playoffs, even with the expanded format. I think they'll just miss it, which, of course, right? It's pretty on brand for the MLB. Trying to get Otani, trying to get Trout in the playoffs, and the Angels are just going to be like, eh, no, probably not. I don't think it's. I think the moment's too big for us. I think next year, though, in 2023, if they make the right steps, if guys like Adele, Marsh, uh, Detmers especially, Detmers is going to be the key factor there. If they can make great strides in their careers, um, then I think the Angels can make the playoffs next year. You'll have the Justin Upton contract off the books, have the you know the Pools contract two years removed, have that dark cloud over and done with the organization. But I don't know. I just don't see the Angels making the necessary improvements. And the AOS got a lot better. Texas made a lot of great moves. Houston has lost a few pieces, but they've also um, got some guys back. Oakland is a dumpster fire, but Seattle. I mean, those freaking Seattle Mariners. If the Seattle Mariners can rebuild faster than the Angels, and look who their GM is, former Angels GM Jerry DePoto, uh, when he doesn't have his hands tied by Artie Moreno, I mean, just look at the job he's doing in Seattle. He's doing a fantastic job over there. And... I don't know. We'll see. It'll be an interesting season. I'm definitely excited. I can't say that I'm not dreading the Angel season like I have in the past because, you know, they might surprise some people, but don't be surprised if this is just your average 
above average team that's a little bit over 500 but i just i don't see them making the playoffs and so yes it's a little bit of an ending this angel segment on the catelicast a little bit of doom and gloom but that's just the unfortunate reality of anaheim sports right now but hey you know what all we can do is look ahead towards the future and speaking of looking ahead towards the future i think the other team in anaheim the anaheim ducks oh man their future is bright stay tuned now, this is a team that knows how to rebuild. This is a team that isn't stuck on the fence. They know when to blow things up. Now, the Ducks had to bring in a different general manager for various reasons, but this new GM, he knows. Pat Verbeek knows that this is a rebuilding team. This is a team that's not going to contend for a Stanley Cup anytime soon, and so he wants to just blow it up, restart, rebuild from the bottom, and I... I cannot just be more enthusiastic and excited about what Pat Verbeek, how his tenure is going to be as Ducks GM. I think he had a fantastic trade deadline. I gave the Angels offseason a B. I would give the Anaheim Ducks trade deadline of 2022, I would give it A++++. I know, I know it is emotional, right? Losing cornerstones of the franchise. Hampus Lindholm, Manson, Raquel. Those are... You know, great memories, great players in Ducks history, but it was necessary. It was time to move on. And for anybody who can actually find a way to complain about the return the Ducks got for the, those three players, well, the previous general manager, who I'm not going to name on this show, the previous general manager should have made these trades either in the last offseason or the last trade deadline because now – you're having to trade expiring contracts. They're pure rentals, right? Manson probably won't re-sign with Colorado. Raquel, I have no idea if he'll re-sign with Pittsburgh. Uh, Lindholm was locked up, and I I don't know. I just think that if they traded them last year, they probably could have gotten an even bigger return for them. But let's just go into the trades really quick. So Josh Manson, right, traded to the Colorado Avalanche for a 2023 second-round pick and defenseman prospect drew hellison who i think is a i think is a better version a a better modern version of manson a much better skater on the right side and uh, while he doesn't have the physicality that josh manson has i mean not the nhl is just going away from the physical game that we know and love especially in anaheim and so i think that a better skater on the on the blue line is going to be more important Uh, a better offensive minded defenseman solid solid return right there and um, we have Hampus, so the Hampus Lindholm trade. So Lindholm and uh, Cody Curran was sent to the Boston Bruins for a 2022 first round pick, 2023 second round pick, a 2024 second round pick. So you gain two seconds and a first uh, for defenseman prospect Erho Vakanainen, who made his Ducks debut uh, yesterday, and defenseman John Moore. So John Moore is injured. Um, pretty much we're just kind of taking on that cap space right now. He has $2.75 million. And the Ducks are going to have an incredible amount of cap space, and hopefully John Moore can get healthy and at least just be a body in the blue line next year. But for Lindholm, I mean, the real value there is the first-round pick and two seconds. I didn't think they were going to be able to get two seconds. I thought it would be a first and a second or, like, a first and a third or something. But a first and two seconds, I mean, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable return right there for Hampus Lindholm. He was not going to re-sign with the Ducks, and so you had to trade him. You had to maximize that asset. Uh, Nick Delorier. So Nick Delorier has been a meme for the Ducks for a while now. I I can't even ironically like him. He's an enforcer, yes. I'm 
I'm not going to say that fighting needs to go in hockey, and I'm not going to say that fighting or that enforcers aren't valuable or anything like that, or fighting isn't valuable in the game, but at this point, you're wasting a roster spot on a pure enforcer. And to get him for a third-round draft pick, I mean, or sorry, to trade him away to receive a third-round draft pick to Minnesota, I mean, is he really going to help the Wild? I I don't know what they were thinking. A third-round draft pick. I know there was that crazy thing on 32 Thoughts last year where they were talking about how he might have the value of a first-round pick, which, yeah, that was never going to happen. But a third-round pick for Nick Delorier. I mean, that is highway robbery at its finest. And you know what? He might actually come back to the Ducks. You never know. So, I don't know. The Nick Delorier trade for me was probably the best trade that Verbeek made in the deadline. Then he had the Ricard Raquel trade. So uh, we get a oh, we sent they sent him to the Pittsburgh Penguins for a 2022 second round pick. Uh, goaltending prospect uh, is Cal Cal Klang, I think is how you say his name. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think he's a very solid goalie prospect. The Ducks have needed another prospect behind Dostal. We'll talk about goaltending in a little bit. Uh, Dominic Simon. And uh, I think is a really underrated part of this trade is Zach Aston Reese. That is a real fourth liner, someone who can actually shut down the opposition and be a solid fourth liner and not like the scrubs that they've been throwing out there, like Derek Grant and Buddy Robinson. I, I don't know. They have no NHL future. I don't know why they keep throwing them out there, but whatever. Um, but seriously, I mean, if we really just want to look at the draft picks alone because i don't think any of the prospects that they've gotten are really like going to be dynamic game changers but just look about think about the the, uh, draft picks okay so we have the uh, in the 2022 to 2024 drafts right the ducks have four four first round picks between 2022 and 2024 okay four first round picks that's pretty that's pretty great right then they have two second round picks in 2022, three second round picks in 2023, two second round picks in 2024. I mean, that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, they don't have a third round pick this year. That's fine. They have two third round picks next year and a third round pick in 2024. I mean, if you just look at how many picks that is in the first three rounds of the next three years, I mean, that's huge for, huge for the rebuild. And Verbeek has already come out and said that he's not opposed to either um, trading up in the trading up those draft picks so they can you know hey they can swing at number one you never know this year um, or he's not he said that he's not opposed to trading those draft picks for proven talent so hey Jacob Chikrin come on down right we need to replace Lindholm so I think that Pat Verbeek has done an outstanding job as GM he is really kickstarting up this rebuild. Uh, in the draft, just go best player available, take everybody you want. And um, so I did talk about goaltending a little bit with the with the Klang uh, acquisition from Pittsburgh. So right now the Ducks have Lucas Dostal in San Diego. Sometimes he comes up to the Ducks. But John Gibson, I don't know. I love John Gibson, right? Every Ducks fan should. If you hate John Gibson, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, you can think what you want, but whatever. You're wrong. Um, but... He just hasn't been the same. He's been overworked like crazy. The team has been bad in front of him for a few years now. He has openly said in the past that he's not, uh, he doesn't want to stay for a rebuild. And I mean, could you blame him? He's pretty much in the prime of his career right now. And he got a 
got a taste of playoff success and a taste of winning, and now all of a sudden he doesn't have that anymore because the Ducks have been terrible. And so I really think they should trade him. I think they should trade John Gibbs in the offseason. I think he's been checked out of Anaheim for a while now, which is kind of why he starts off really well, and then when the team starts to crumble around him, they either can't score, they can't defend in front of him. He just he kind of checks out, I think. And, I mean, you can't really blame him. He wants to win. And when the team in front of him doesn't give him the best chance to win, I mean, you know, I would get disillusioned with that too. And so I think they'll trade him in the offseason. I think they should trade him in the offseason. Um, but that's why I want to come back to the Clang acquisition. I think that's great because I think that Dostal, like, you know, obviously, right, if you trade Gibson in the offseason, Dostal would come up to the Ducks and you could probably have him and Stolarz just play, you know, the you know, right, split it, split it down the middle. You know, it probably might not play exactly that way, but I think if you just split it down the middle between Dostal and Stolarz, hey, the goals are going to need a goalie, right? Clang can step right up, be the goals goalie because uh, the goalie that they drafted last year from, I believe, it was the WHL. He's a project. He's a big goalie. He's not ready yet to be uh, in the minors, or not, not not ready to be in the minors, but he's not ready to start. I think in the AHL just yet. Um, you know, have him another year in juniors. I think he's still eligible, and heck, he could be the he could be the goals backup goalie. But I just think that John Gibson should get traded. I mean, just think about the return you can get. Think about how many draft picks you're going to get in return for that, and think of you know the Ducks can turn those draft picks into someone like Jacob Chikrin, and then you're still going to have a whole bunch of picks and be picking in the first three rounds in the next few years. And if because the one thing that the previous GM was great at was scouting and drafting. If Pat Verbeek is half as good as the previous GM was and how their team ran it, I mean, there's no reason why the Ducks can't become uh, another contender for the Stanley Cup like they were with the Getzloff and Perry teams. Those teams were built from within, and I think Verbeek is just a much better GM, understands player value, understands asset value, understands how to get draft picks and how to build a team. I mean, you know, he learned from Stevie Y, one of the best GMs in the league, right? And going into next year, I mean, the Ducks are just going to have a crazy amount of cap space. And so, but you have to remember with the extensions that are looming, right? Troy Terry is going to get a lot of big money now. Zegris going to need a lot of money. Drysdale, right? And so you kind of have to budget it. You can't just be going crazy in the offseason like the Angels probably would and just sign every player that you want because you're going to have to be paying Zegers, Drysdale, Terry, you know, $5 million at the minimum, right? But I think that's why you should trade John Gibson. John Gibson makes about, I want to say, uh, let me just pull up on cat friendly so that, you know, it's legit. John Gibson makes $6.4 million. If you can trade that contract and get that off the books, because it's 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 a pretty long contract. It's He's still under contract for a few years. But if you can get that contract off the book, bring in someone like Dostal, who's barely going to be making anything, and then Stolarz doesn't make much money either. And so if you could just get cheaper at the goaltending position, that frees up money to pay or to extend the guys you already have in the roster now, um, and then also you can have money for somebody like Chikrin or uh, a free agent signing that is intrigued by what's building on and building up in Anaheim. I think that that is a great recipe for success, and I really think that uh, Perry Manazian. I know he. I know it's not his show. I know it's really Artie's show. But I think the Angels can really, 
look at it, take an example of the Ducks, see what they're doing, take some notes down. And that is how you build a contender. Because it would not surprise me if the Ducks are all of a sudden um, in playoff contention faster than the Angels are with a much less time of rebuilding because the Angels haven't made the playoffs since 2014. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Ducks ended their playoff drought before the Angels. Um, you know, it's a tale of two teams. Yes, they both are kind of mired in rebuilding and mediocrity right now, but I think the future is really bright for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, the Angels, not so much. It's a trial and error process. It's all 100% wait and see at this point. But I'm still excited. Um, you know, baseball is always fun, even though, uh, of course, MLB tries to take the fun out of it, no matter what, with the whole CBA negotiations. I'm just glad the baseball's back. I'm just glad I can see Trout and Otani, which... Hey, you know, that's always been the Angels, right? If they're not good, at least we have Trout and Otani. With the Ducks, even if they're not good, Trevor Zegers gets an assist, Trevor Zegers gets a goal, Troy Terry adds to his goal total, and it's a successful game, and it's fun to watch, and I really think, I really think that we need to support the Ducks more. I think that fan, fans need to show up for the Ducks. It is a very young and exciting team. Uh, it's a rebuild. I understand that, you know, the team isn't winning right now, but we've been spoiled in Anaheim, especially during the 2010s. And we just really need to build up the fan support, build up the fan base now, because it is so much fun to watch the young guys blossom in their careers. I mean, for me, it feels like I've watched Getzloff his whole life. I remember when he just came up to the Ducks and now how crazy it is that he's the captain, all-time leading scorer, everything. You know, Zegers could be that. Drysdale could be that. McTavish could be that. Dostal can be that. So just really... Come out and support the Ducks the last few weeks of the regular season. It, the tickets, you know, are probably going to be cheaper because the Ducks aren't good. And so that can kind of play into your hands a little bit. I know gas is crazy right now. But, yep, this has been the first episode of the Catelecast. I'm really excited. really want to keep growing this show. Um, I don't know how many times how many times I'm going to be uploading a, a new episode a week. But, yeah, you know, there's only, only one way we can look at Anaheim Sports right now is up, and hopefully the Angels and the Ducks can give us some great memories down the road. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.